Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. I feel the presence of the Lord, don't you, today? It's good to be in the house of God, a place of safety, a place of peace, a place of joy, a place that you feel loved and you feel like you belong. Do you feel that way today, this morning? It's a safe place. And there's a lot of unsafe places, but this is a happy place, and I'm thankful. Would you lift your hands as you stand with me, and let's just magnify the Lord again and give him thanks. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, we love you, sweet Jesus. Oh, God, we give you thanks today for all that you've done and how you have blessed us all, and we thank you that... We are privileged to be in your house to worship together in spirit and truth, Lord. Thank you for filling every heart with your presence that we're going to leave different than when we came. Something powerful and wonderful is going to happen because we have determined that we're in one mind and one accord and we're just going to allow the Holy Ghost to take control. Praise God. Praise God. I'm just always honored to be in this pulpit with our precious and dearest friends, Brother and Sister Frank. We're sorry that Sister Frank's not able to be here, and I guess maybe she wouldn't have had COVID if she was here. I don't know. But uh, that stuff is going around. I pastor a sick church, by the way. I'm told that we have lots of people out with that brother COVID stuff, but we know that God is faithful, and we see that most of the prayer requests that come in have to do with our health, you know? Uh, If you were to summarize the prayer request that comes in, it's our bodies, right? Our bodies are frail, and... um, but anyway, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I didn't expect to be here today, but I promise I've got a message from God in my heart, and um, I feel very strong about what I'm going to preach today. Uh, I always enjoy with being with your bishop. Uh, we're opposites in a lot of ways, you know. He's different, I'm different, but we have a bond uh, you've heard of Band of Brothers. We're part of a band, and it's not a rock band. <laughs> it's not a. It's not one of those. Uh, what's that other group called? Uh, uh, I'll think of it in a minute. I'll forget. I forget what it's called. But anyway, we're part of a brother band, and it's not a rubber band that breaks. We're part of a. A brotherhood, there you go. That's not what I was thinking of. A rap, we're not part of a rap band. That's what it is. We're not a rapper. Uh, <laughs> have you ever, has anybody ever been depressed? 
Nobody in this church. No, I tell you, not in here. Um, you may be seated. Let me just get through this a little bit. Uh, I got a 30-minute message, but it has a 30-minute introduction, so that means 30 plus 30 equals 1. <laughs> so, uh, and yes, Shoshana, thank you and Michael for inviting us over for breakfast and, and supper last night and the fellowship we had with you folks and and uh, precious couple here that's fairly new in the church, uh, Raymond and uh, Adina, and uh, praise God. I had a bout of depression uh, because it was really bothersome, and it really hit me hard. And, um, well... It had to do with my dog, and it was the newest dog in the family. We've tried to find a name, and we finally have several names for this dog. She's deaf, and she's a, supposed to be outgrowing a puppy stage, but she has got an appetite for everything besides dog food. And I had this favorite pair of house shoes I've had for years and years and years and years. My wife said, get some new ones. No, these are just perfect. They're, they, have, they fit well. They feel good. They're broke in. They haven't broke out yet. They're, they're broke in. And... Uh, you know, one day I came home and that dog chewed and ate my house shoe. I wanted to kill that dog. Give it away. Sell it. Put it up for adoption, but my wife wouldn't let me. So for Christmas, I got two brand new pairs of house shoes. So I got through that depression, and I'm okay. <laughs> I have been seriously depressed before. But this is just, I, I was bothered by that because those were special shoes. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in. Let's stand together. We're going to get serious here, believe it or not. Um, what a great time we had with uh, celebrating the life of Pastor Orville Wells yesterday and finding out things about him, a uh, man of God that faithful through all these years since 1976 when he moved from Ohio to New York, and uh, some of you know him. I'd like to read from Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 39 through 46, and um, Jesus, this, this actually, this story is mentioned in every gospel, Matthew, Mark, and um, also John, I've chosen this particular gospel to read it from. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. We're going to be tempted, right? 
but we don't have to yield to it. So prayer helps us from yielding to temptation. Verse 41, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will. Look at your neighbor and say, not my will. But yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly than his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. It didn't say his sweat became blood, but like great drops of blood, indicating the intensity of the prayer of Jesus. He perspired profusely. He, there was beads of sweat over his brow, his, his face, his beard, his, his body, his hair was no doubt soaking wet as he prayed the most powerful prayer that anyone has ever prayed, no doubt, in that garden. And it says in verse 45, he rose up from prayer and he had come to his disciples. He found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. This morning I want to preach on the battle of two wills. The battle of the two wills. Lord, we thank you for helping us, God, to focus on you and put away anything that distracts us so that we can hear from thy spirit, Lord, that you might speak to us and remind us that there is a battle going on in every one of our lives. It's a very common battle once we've decided to become a born-again Christian. It's something that that we've discovered that there is a devil now that we didn't really know that there was such a thing until we made up our mind to follow you and serve you from the very depths of our soul. And I pray you anoint your servant to, today to minister the wonderful truth in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. The battle of the two wills. Something that we can all relate to. Because, believe it or not, once, as I was praying, once we have decided to be serious about living for God, we found that there is an enemy out there that doesn't like the decisions that we have made. He will do anything he possibly can to distract, detour us, discourage us from doing what we're doing. But we've got to keep in the forefront that the most important thing in my life is, above and beyond anything else, is that I must be saved. There's nothing more important than being saved.
There's nothing more important than being a person that's so concerned about going to heaven that we would want everyone in our family also to follow us and be saved. Because there is a heaven and there is a hell. And hell is temporary. The Bible lets us know that hell, death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire where the worm dies not, the flame is not quenched, and, you know, when you look at the multitudes of people and you think of what possibly could be, and you just don't want anybody to be lost. Those that you work with, that God gives us a burden for them. We're not there just to do a physical job with our abilities and talents, but God's called each and every one of us as evangelists, as missionaries, as ambassadors because we represent the king of kings and we're a part of another kingdom. This world is not our home. It's just a dressing room getting us ready and prepared for the life hereafter. Jesus paid the ultimate price. He gave his all, his body. He shed his blood so that you and I could be saved. It started, no doubt, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And in Genesis 3 and 15, there's a word in the King James and in the New King James Version that's used that we don't really use that much today. I'll read it. I will put enmity, the Lord says, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is indicating there's going to be a battle taking place. And the good news is we can open our Bibles to the back of the book and we know if we stay faithful, if we stay, if we endure to the end, we know who's going to win this battle if we'll just stick to it and stay with it and stay in the church and stay close to God. We know who's going to win this battle. Some days are harder than other days. Some weeks are longer than other weeks. And, and there's trials and tribulations that all of us will face. But never lose your sight on the Lord because he loves us. He tests us. And he'll bring us successfully through everything that can be possibly hurled against us. The word enmity simply means hostility, hatred. That's what it is. Jesus said in the Gospels that if the world hated him, he will, they will hate us too. I've gotten fired from a job when I first came to God because of just being a Christian. I worked in a feed lab. And I worked there as a junior in high school. I was an, an agriculture FFA guy. And it was a co-op job. And, and so it was just the chemist and another chemist assistant and me, the new guy, three of us working in a laboratory that tested grain samples for cattle and sheep and every 
animal you can imagine, you know, like that, horses and so forth. We were close to each other, and then when the Lord came into my life, and I'd repented and got baptized and so forth and got the Holy Ghost, I started witnessing when I got back to the job, and instantaneously the chemist turned on me. He didn't like the new Steve Beatty. He liked the old Steve Beatty better. And he would do everything within his power to trip me up and get me to do things that would be anti-Christian, but I held my course. There were days as a young guy, 16, 17 years old, I'd go home for lunch and I'd be crying because of the intense um, struggle it was. And finally, he had enough of me. He just fired me. <laughs> I did my job well, but he just fired me. So I thought, oh, well, I tried to help, but sometimes that ha happens, doesn't it? You know, sometimes your family might desert you because if you come from a certain other types of religion and you become Pentecostal apostolic, they don't like it. Some people I've known of, their family hasn't talked to them in years until after many years have gone by, they found out, okay, I accept you now. I don't know if anybody's ever gone through that here, but, you know, stay with it. Stay with it. There's a battle, and sometimes it's, it's a battle with, it's going to be a battle with Satan. We know the three enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if our flesh is in control of our lives, it's a quick open door for Satan to come right in. And as long as we can keep the flesh down, as long as we can have the spirit over the flesh, and we all deal with flesh, we all have a carnal nature, even though you are filled with the Holy Ghost, we all still have the potential of being the old man, the old woman that we used to be, and so the only, the only antidote to that is that we've got to keep the flesh under submission to the Spirit, and there's no other way I know how to do it than to stay close to Jesus, to crucify the flesh every single day. I've got to die out daily to the will of the flesh. The will of God versus the will of the flesh. It is a real battle doing the will of God or caving in to the desires of the flesh. There will always be a struggle between these two wills. Just because you come to church doesn't mean that you've got victory necessarily if you don't have a personal prayer life. If you don't really have a communion with God outside the walls of this building that we call the church, you see it's going to take more, and I believe in being faithful to the house of God. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to take more. If the only praying we do and the only singing we do and the only time we read our Bible is when we get together with one another, we've got a shallow experience, and it's not going to last. It won't be enough. We've got to have something we take out of this building and we go home with, we go to the job with, we take it to school, we take it to college, everywhere we go, we've got to have a fiery experience with God. 
The will of God requires sacrifice and obedience, whereas the will of the flesh is all about self-centered indulgence. If you don't believe it, try to fast. <laughs> right? We started something in our church. We've done it for a few years. It's called February Focus. So we've set aside February as specialized times of doing whatever we can do to get rid of distractions, doing whatever we can do to get closer to God. And, and everybody's doing something different, but you've got to do something, you know. And so one day, you know, I think it was the first week of February, I made this mind up that I'm going to do a certain thing, and, and uh, along with other things. And I don't normally take my grandkids to school, but I don't know what happened. I had to take them to school and it's a 20-minute drive, you know, because they go to a nicer school district. Janae, it's a great school. So I'm out, almost out of gas. Well, uh, now I'm not out of gas here. I'm really gassed up, you know. <laughs> so one time I went to Germany, and, and I've never, speaking of gas, you know, uh, I went to Germany, and they had, you know, the, waiter or waitress would bring out water and or no they before they brought out water they'd say do you want gassed or ungassed i never heard of gassed water but it's 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 what your pastor drinks he's a gasser he likes gassed water so is that right yes, sir. <laughs> but carbonate it's what it means <laughs> now i don't know where i was going oh i was at the gas station and I'm just getting there to get gas, but I go in to get this card to save 10 cents a gallon, you know. And I do that first and pay the card. And they got these big, I mean, they're that long, that wide, and that thick. And they're dark chocolate wrapped brownies. And they say, if you buy gas, they're only 25 cents. They're just in front of you. And I thought, huh, I see what's happening. I know, I'm smart and I know what's happening. And then to top it off, I'm dealing with this person at the cash register and the next person over here says, you know, somebody, uh, they gave the 25 cents but they didn't want the brownie. So he comes over to me, he said, would you want this brownie because it's free? You gotta be kidding. The devil, the flesh, it's just amazing. I thought, am I gonna am I gonna lose my commitment over a twenty-five cent? I know it was probably worth another two dollars, brownie. So here's what I did. I says, okay, I'll take it. Put it in my pocket. I have grandkids. So I mentioned that in the church the other day and wound up it wound up in Pastor Sean's pocket. Sean Morris. So I don't know what he did with it, but I don't think it's in his pocket anymore. Um, how many times have we all halted between two opinions? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. I've done it. 
I messed up. How many times have we been at a crossroads in life and we've chosen the wrong road? I have. And you know what it always do, does when we choose the wrong path? It always leads to emptiness, guilt, and shame. And we do it. The flesh was in control and then we say to ourselves, why did I do that? You see, I'm not telling you something that you don't already know. The human will is extremely stubborn, and it's always fueled by pride and ego. The remedy I've discovered over the many years I've lived for God, the remedy is to humble ourselves before Jesus fall at his feet, and surrender our whole being to him. Transformation happens on the other side of complete surrender. Did you hear me? Transformation happens on the other side of when we completely surrender our will to God's will. It's not always easy. It's a battle. It's a fight. But as the old saying goes, it's whichever one you feed the most. That's the one that's going to have more to say. So the more we feed the flesh, and I'm not talking about popcorn and brownies, <laughs> but it's whatever we put into our minds and we allow to get through these eyes, which is the gateway to the soul, whatever we're watching that is questionable and things that would be considered unclean and unhealthy spiritually, if, if we're feeding the flesh with that kind of entertainment and, and we feel like we deserve a break today and we have an entertainment and we, uh, we let this stuff come in. It's going to put thoughts in your mind and my mind and, and then we're going to be battling some bad thoughts. We're going to have some lusts in our heart that we wouldn't have had had we not watched this and looked at that. And, and so we're feeding the flesh. In the meantime, as we keep feeding the flesh with all this stuff, then, uh, then we're not, we're not, in the spirit is not in control. Sin is in control. Paul said in Romans, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We're either going to be transformed or we're going to be conformed. And when you're conformed, you're going to be confused. Boy, do we live in a confused world. I don't have any desire to be confused. One time I, it's been some time ago, I, Bishop Frank, I, I don't go to Walmart anymore and I have to, I hope nobody is offended by that, but sometimes there's certain things I've got to get and when I go, I, gotta, I go early in the morning because I know there's certain people that don't get there till two in the afternoon because they're sleeping 
you know. But this was not a morning. It was, I made a mistake and went in the afternoon when everybody's up. And I parked my car and I looked around and people were coming out and I thought, we've been invaded by Martians. I thought went through my head. And then I walk in and people are in their pajamas. It's the middle of the day. They've got house shoes on and they're going shopping in pajamas. I thought, what has happened to our world? It's confusion, laziness, slothfulness. I don't want to be spiritually lazy, do you? Yeah, it's a sacrifice. If you're going to pray, I've, for me personally, I found out I, God helped me to never leave my house without it spending some time in prayer before I open that front door and I step outside on the porch and I get in my vehicle and I'm going to go about my day. Lord God, help me to know that we don't know what a day is going to bring and we must have contact with the Almighty God. If you've got to get up an extra half hour early before you go to work, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we've got to feed the spiritual man, church, because there's an evil world out there that's full of traps. There's full of snares, and he's out to get you in my soul. He wants your soul. He wants my soul. He wants your family's soul. Oh, what the world needs more than anything else is not another fast food restaurant. It's not that. What they really need is some people of God that's the light of the world that when we go out, they're going to see somebody that's got something from God that's different and you're going to turn the light on in your city. You're going to turn the light on in your school. Praise God. Let's praise him together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, mighty God, you're so good to us. Set us on fire. Fill us with that Holy Ghost and fire. Oh, Lord, give us a desire for the spiritual things. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus, the flesh is all about convenience, whereas the will of God is all about the cross. The cross is never going to be convenient. But you know something? What a joy it is when we submit and we say, yes, God, I surrender to your will. I believe there's a release, there's a refreshing that comes over our spirits that produces a joy and peace that is beyond comprehension when we say, yes, God, and we die out to the flesh. It's not something you can do once and it's over. It's something we got to do every single day. I remember many years ago, when my, the Lord called me to New York from Texas, 
and I remember the battles in my mind, but we were excited. I felt I had a dream, God calling me to New York. I heard his voice as clear as a bell, woke up from a deep sleep, and God said, I've called you, son, to go to New York now. That was in 1982, and we moved in 1983. My parents only have two grandkids, being our two kids. They were little at the time, Jay and Janae. And uh, my mother was in the church. My dad wasn't. And as we loaded our moving truck up, uh, we, we spent the last night or two at my parents' house before making our journey to New York, 1,500 miles from there to here. And I knew what the will of God was. I knew what it cost. I knew what it was going to take. And I knew I was doing the right thing. Thankful that I have a wonderful wife that was in agreement and unity with me. And so that morning that we were to leave. My dad was going to go to work and and he didn't understand the will of God. He was heartbroken. He was upset. So upset as a matter of fact that he refused to talk to me. Hug me or even say goodbye. He got in his truck, I still see it in my mind today, as he backed that truck out of the driveway and went to the job. And then he was so upset, he ripped the telephone out of the house that was in the hall on the wall. It was one of those black dial phones that you had to put your index finger and you'd turn it, you know. He ripped it out of the wall, and my mother, the only way we could contact was she'd go to the neighbor's house to call. And the will of God. Six months later, he finally restores the phone, and as time went on, my dad forgave me. And then in two years later, they come to New York for the first time, land in Buffalo, and I saw my mom and dad walking down the aisle as they disembarked from the plane, and I found out he was very proud of me. He talked about what we were doing, came to church, you know, and so... I'm just saying that when you, sometimes when you make a decision to say yes to the will of God, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be people that don't understand. You know, I had people tell me, Brother Frank, that because I wasn't, I had friends of mine that said, they wrote me off as a failure. They said, because you're not 30 years old, you you can't pastor until you're 30 years old. Well, I was 25. 
but I still came because I knew it was the will of God. So there's no better place to be than living in the will of God. Let me ask you a question today. Do you feel honestly in your heart you're in the will of God? If you're not in the will of God, are you willing to do whatever it takes to do the will of God? I'll put it this way. There's no worse life to be living than living outside of the will of God. Whew. It's a scary place to be. Someone that's teetering on the fence, one foot in the world, one foot in the church, wishy-washy, can't make your mind up, unstable. My pastor in Texas told me these things, you've heard them before, if you live for God hard, it's easy. But if you try to live for him easy, it's hard. It's going to be impossible. It's either all the way in. That's the only way to do it. The flesh wants nothing to do with surrendering to the will of God. The carnal and fleshly mind wants to wear the crown, but without the cross. There's a lot of religions and that they're a crossless Christianity. You can still cuss, smoke, drink, dip, have fornication, sing in the choir. Live like you want to live. Go to church. But you're not saved. Crossless Christianity is powerless. It's a stench in the nostrils of God. We need to beware of rituals without relationship. Beware of those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. If we want the power, we've got to be willing to surrender to the will of God. If we want anointing, if we want revival, it comes with a price, church. It comes, it's a high price, but I'll tell you, it's a price worth paying. Oh, I believe in these last days he's putting together a group of people that are made up in their minds. We're in one mind and one accord. We're gonna, you're going to have revival like you've never seen in Schenectady and the surrounding areas. I sense it in the Holy Ghost. There's more people coming. I understand there's a lot of new people here and there's more new people coming. God bless this church, Maranatha, that he would keep sending on revival. But what does that mean? for everybody else. Make sure you're lined up with God. Make sure you're, you're keeping pace with the Spirit. Make sure you're all in. Make sure you're speaking the same thing. One mind and one accord. Amen. 
Romans 8, 5 through 8, those who are dominated by the sin, this is the New Living Translation, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. I mean, that says it pretty blunt, doesn't it? Verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. What kind of death? Spiritual death in the lake of fire. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Verse 8, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Verse 12 through 14, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. In other words, we've got a choice. Verse 13, For if you live by its dictates, you're going to die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live and oh, will we live. Oh, hallelujah. We've got abundant life, folks. When you commit your life to God and you do His will, there's no happier life on this side of heaven. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to just close with our text verse again. Looking back at Luke twenty-two forty-four, being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. That word agony has always got my attention, and so I dug into that word a little deeper. And the word agony means a struggle. It's a conflict. It's a fight. It's war. Here's a word that defines agony. It's combat. I mean it. It's combat. I probably told the story before about this guy that attacked me. Did I probably ever tell you that? Tell it again. <laughs> there was this guy that was coming to church. He was, we were having special fasting and prayer. God was moving people, getting the Holy Ghost and baptized every single week for 20-plus weeks. And this guy was missing for a couple of weeks. He comes back, and I'm going to shorten the story, but he comes back. He was about this tall. His first name was Brian. And he said he had a question for me, and I was on a plumbing job. I just stopped at the house to get some parts, and I had a cap on, you know, and my plumbing clothes. <laughs> no tie, just... Pipe dope stains on me and glue stains probably. Mess up more clothes than you can imagine. I says, I can't talk right now, Brian. I says, I've got to get back. I've got my boss is on a scaffold. I've got to get. I turned around. All of a sudden, he jumped me in the parking lot of the church, pushed me down into the gravel. His burly body's on top of me. I'm 
I'm face down in the gravel. He's cussing me out. He's calling me a false prophet. He's shouting all these obscenities. I can't make, I can't even move a muscle. I'm, it happened so quick, I thought, I just, this is happening? I didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden, I realized it's happening. And so I can't even move a muscle. This is all because you do the will of God. <laughs> you know, it's funny. And so I remember hearing people doing this, but I'd never had to do it except when I'm running off the road and I call out his name and he puts me back in the right lane. So I shouted out with as loud a voice as I could say. I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I kid you not, as soon as I said that, it was like a big wind blew that burly brine off of me. I didn't do nothing. You know what he did? He was stumbling backwards. He, he almost fell over backwards. I did what my dad told me to do. If you ever got in a fight, keep your dukes up. So if this was a sin... I'm not kidding you. I said, Lord, forgive me when I'm getting done. <laughs> Never have had a fight in my life, brother, until I'm a pastor. <laughs> so I hauled off. He was wide open. Blood over his face, dripping down it. His blood got on my shirt. My shirt tails out. It's all over my pants. About that time, a new convert drives by, and she's looking at me. <laughs> oh, boy, have I got some explaining to do. <laughs> but let's stand together. No. There's more to it, but... Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> but I did have a neighbor looking across the street, and he saw it, and he said, I was about to ready to come over with a baseball bat and finish him off. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm just saying this to say Jesus knew what was ahead of him. He was in combat. Peter, James, and John were sleeping. We don't know how long he prayed. It had to be more than five minutes. He, he might have been there for hours. I don't. It must have been for hours. And the ironic thing is as soon as Jesus stopped praying and got up and got them up, the mob came. Judas betrayed him with a kiss. They came with torches and lanterns and they were armed. The Bible says it was a multitude that came. Peter takes his sword out. He carried, you know, he was a carrier. <laughs> and he, he, you know what he did with that sword? He just, you know, kind of like what I did that day. You know, it just, but I'm glad he forgave me. I will ne I, I've never had a fight since. Now, I hope I'm not jinxing myself. And, but but I, I did, you know, it's just human nature. If somebody attacks you, what do you do? 
Now, the Lord could have done, he did it all. I didn't really have to do nothing, but my flesh kicked in, and I thought, man, you violated my space, buddy. But um, I can't remember what I was trying to tell you here. Peter, he cut his ear off. Man, he was a, I don't know if he was aiming for the ear. He, he was off a little bit. I don't know if he meant to, you know, split him wide open or, but, you know, it's amazing that Jesus just picks up that ear, puts it back on, heals him immediately. Look that like that would have been enough to, wow, there's something to this. And then one of the gospels said, are you the Messiah? And he, he said, I am he. And as soon as he said those things, they just fell backwards on the ground. <laughs> just, you know, aren't you glad we serve a God that loves us? He cares about you. And uh, you're never in a battle by yourself. Never. And so, as I close, I just want you to know it's about self-denial. Denying self. Doesn't mean we have to become a monk and hide in some cave and isolate ourselves. No, that's not it at all. That's not healthy spiritually at all. But we need to have times that we just go beyond the norm. And I believe God's getting a church ready today. And I wonder today how many are willing to go the second mile? You know, now this might sound crazy and I might get in trouble for saying what I'm going to say, but you correct me if I'm wrong. Would anybody be willing to fast what's going on tonight? Boy, it got quiet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Smart answer. <laughs> I had one guy in our church, he said, I'm, he said, let's just fast football. And he said that because his team isn't going to the Super Bowl. Almost every service he wears a blue jersey that's got this crazy number 17 on it. Is that the number? You don't know either, right? Is it? Somebody by the name of Josh. <laughs> but wouldn't it be funny if Jesus did say, Let's forget about tonight and come to church and have a prayer meeting. If Jesus said it. <laughs> Maybe he is saying it. Still some mall voice. <laughs> oh God. I just threw that. That's free. It's not even in my just I just thought I'd mess things up here at the end. <laughs>
Oh, God. I love Jesus, don't you? I love Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One thing that I found for me personally that's find it it's off by the way is this thing here I'm realizing more and more this thing is becoming a distraction does anybody feel that way we were just talking about it I thought used to you'd see kids riding bicycles there's no bikes on the road anymore you know, just a messed up society. And so there's a battle of two wills. Would you close your eyes and lift your hands with me today? Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. I want you to ask him to search your heart, and we're going to open these altars and ask you to come if you're really serious that you want to get closer to Jesus and you're willing to say like Jesus did on that, on that day in the Garden of Gethsemane when he knew what he was facing. He felt the sins of the whole world on him. He tasted sin, every sin. Not my will. If Jesus had to pray that, not my will, but your will be done. How much more do you and I need to pray that same prayer? Not my will, but your will be done. Would you come and, if you're serious and you're willing to pray that prayer, knowing that it's going to cost you something, it's going to, require changes it's going to require moving something around in your life that's been stationary it's going to cause you to become more proactive and getting out of your comfort zone laying aside every the bible says lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let's run with patience the race that is set before us praise god lord in the name of jesus as we sing and pray the prayer that needs to be prayed and it may not all can be prayed here today it may be something you got to take home and pray at home and pray in the morning and God help me to do something to get closer if there's a distraction in your life that's holding you back and you're honest with yourself and you know it's hindering you from becoming the man and the woman God wants you to be I want you to ask God to help you to crucify it to get rid of it to throw it away it's time for it's time for the church to be the church, to rise up and say, as for me in my house, we will, we will serve the Lord. Not my will, but your will be done. Oh, God, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to win this battle with the help of the Holy Spirit, God. Lord, you've endued us with power when you filled us with the Holy Ghost. And through the Holy Ghost, we're more than conquerors.
Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. If this message touched you, please make sure to subscribe for more sermons from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as follow us on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, and if you are in the area, we invite you to join us during our weekly Sunday service starting at 10.30 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again next week for another anointed message. Thank you, and God bless.